Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, according to the news report, uh, Lee, Lee Foss and William Hawker got into a fight because Lee decided at the salad bar to pick through the lettuce. Um, and the result was, was a full-fledged food fight. Right in the middle of the, uh, of the salad bar, the police were called. Surely this happened at a high school. No, uh, it did not. Uh, it happened at a Florida retirement home. And at an upscale home at that, uh, Lee was 62 years old. William Hawker is 85 years old. And they prove that it is possible to age and not mature. Hang on, it's going to get tight in here today. Week 8, uh, it is possible for us to age spiritually, but fail to mature spiritually. That's why over the last 8 weeks, we have not done an 8 week series in 6 years. The, I think, the last, maybe a little sooner than that, but the last one I can remember doing, we were talking about it before service, was climate change. And before that, we did a series a long time ago called Signs that lasted a long time. But this is the longest series we've done because my concern is this, is that we come to sermon series, we fill out a card, we go home, we say we've aged, but I'm not sure we've matured. And so we've spent eight solid weeks trying to help us discover the shifts that we need to make that will help us intentionally grow so that we're trying to make sure that you will not fall into this statistic. You know this statistic. We've used it eight weeks in a row. Here it is. Less than one in five of those of us who call ourselves born again have any measurable spiritual goals. Let that sink in one last time because we're not going to mention it again next week. Let that sink in. That means that about one of us for every... Now, if it's not you, then... Okay, do the math. If it's not you and it's not the person that lives in your house, you know they don't have any spiritual goals, then only one person perhaps, if we're lucky, on your row has any measurable spiritual goals. So we've got to make sure that we make these shifts in our lives because if we don't, we don't grow. You only grow if you're intentional about growth. Anybody understand that? Okay, I don't even need to talk about physical exercise, right? The same is true spiritually. If we're not intentional about it, it does not happen. So it, it is possible for us to come week after week, fill out a card, but if the only hope we have is over the next 10 months that you will begin... I, I told somebody, I told Randy this morning, I, I almost wish we were planting the church like uh, eight weeks ago because I would have done this series for eight months. I really would have. Because we have got to take the next 10 months and focus on this stuff and intentionally grow. Keep that card in front of your heart, in front of your mind, and take intentional steps to grow. So if you haven't been with us, you're probably going, what card are you talking about? Well, we set up a scale, a measuring stick, if you will. A ruler to judge by what, what, what are we really growing or are we not growing? Here are, the, here are the shifts we talked about, and I've said this over and over to you, simply and blunt, bluntly as I can say it, if we don't grow in these seven shifts, if we don't make these seven shifts, then we do not grow. We will end 2020 less like Jesus, 
than more like Jesus. So our, our hope is, is that you will apply this and we will become more like Jesus. Here they are. If you haven't been with us, you can write them down. I encourage you to go back and listen. I think it's been good. Just, just, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just telling you. I just think it's been good for all of us. It's challenged me. Uh, so the first shift was this. We shift from me to you. We get out of our self-centered mentality and I begin to think about the person sitting next to me. Uh, we, we make a shift from slave to son. We no longer see Jesus just as our master or even as our Lord. We begin to see him as our father. And we have that kind of relationship with him. We talked about moving from the seen to the unseen. We must leave margin that we don't judge our, what's going on around us by only what we can see. We, we leave margin for the other world that we know is there, that the, the, the Father is with us. He never forsakes us. He's walking with us. We talked about moving from consumer to steward because we suddenly realized that since we've shifted from me to you, we're no longer so self-centered that, that we don't understand that we are partners with God in blessing other people. Everything he's given us is for the purpose of blessing other people. Then we talked about moving from ask to listen, where we graduate in our prayer life, where it's not just a laundry list of everything we need. We, we literally go into prayer and we say this, God, what do you want to talk about? And I'll listen to you. And then last week, I don't know if last week has messed with you, but it has messed with me because I, I systematically dismantled how we do North American church. We do it wrong because we must shift from being sheep to shepherds. We think that the guy with the microphone is the only guy that is the shepherd. Listen, at best for most of you I am your leader and for some of you I am your feeder. But for most of you I am not your shepherd. Because I don't know you. Because I don't, I don't do daily life with you. So we've got to identify our own shepherd. Each of us need a shepherd. Somebody that knows us. That will lead us. That will feed us. That will protect us. And then we graduate. And we recognize there are sheep that are assigned to us. And we will turn and say, you know what? I know you. I will, I will lead you. I will feed you. I will protect you. And most likely they're not even believers. Come on. But God has assigned them to us. So are you ready? Because today may be the most difficult shift of all. Are you ready? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think you're ready. Are you ready? This is the most difficult one of all because the last shift is that we make a move to me to we. Now, I recognize that that sounds kind of repetitive from me to you, but it's not. There is a difference here. This is a, a necessary shift that we must make because one man says this. He says, the greatest sin of today in the church is this. Listen carefully. Individualism. So what happens is our society believes that what I do doesn't impact anyone else but me. Haven't you figured out that our society is beginning to preach this? Or they've been preaching it a while. It, it, it's about my body, my money, my rights, my thoughts, my concerns, and that's all that really matters. And that has no bearing on you. And what we've done is we've allowed that to invade and creep into our belief system as Christians. So now we come and worship in an environment together, but we keep our individual thoughts, our individual concerns, our individual rights, our indi Okay, it, hey, go ahead and do this right now. Because it's going to get tight. You better buckle up. This one's not going to be fun. All right, I've been, I've, I've been waiting all week to talk to you about this. See, Toby Keith probably penned the anthem for this generation and maybe for this generation's church when he, when he wrote this song uh, called Let's Talk About Me. 
Some of y'all country fans, we're exposing you right here. He says this. He says, I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one. Doesn't that sound like the church today if we don't provide? If, okay. Uh, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually, but occasionally I want to talk about me. Okay, so our society thinks that way and it has seeped into our church. The only problem is, is that there are only, um, the, the, the only cells that can live isolated. If you find cells that can live isolated from the body, do you know in medical terms, they, there's only two terms that they call a cell that can live isolated from the body. You know what the two terms are? Parasite and cancer. So if we can live our Christian life isolated from the other members of the body, okay, you, you draw the conclusion. So we must alone follow Christ, but we cannot follow Christ alone. I want that to sink in again. We must alone. I, because I have a relationship with Jesus, we'll never get you into heaven. We'll never, never help you mature. I must follow Christ alone, but I cannot follow Christ all by myself. We need one another. That, th- th- this shift requires us to move from individualism to community. This idea of being trapped in individualism isn't new. I want, here's one, I, you, you know we've been given practical steps. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag and give you a practical step right now. I want you to go home and I want you to slowly begin to read 1 Corinthians. Uh, hang on now. If you slowly begin to read 1 Corinthians from the perspective that what Paul is doing is he's writing a letter to a local church. Okay, forget, for, forget Corinth for a moment. Let's just play like he's writing that letter to Passion Church. Alright, so, so 1 Corinthians is now First Passion. Alright, he's writing a letter to a church that is struggling with individualism. And through the, the entire book is Paul confronting the fact that we are not individuals, we are a community. So, let me just give you a... a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the weirdest text in the world in church today. Uh, but before I do, let me just help you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, and 3, there's an argument going on in First Passion that... They're saying that they follow certain people. One group said that they followed Paul. One group said they followed Peter. One group said they followed Apollos. And Paul weighs in and he confronts this division. And he says, that's hogwash. He says, you're not divided. You're not separated. You're all together in this. You're one body. You're not individuals. You're a community. So then it crescendos. Oh, I'm going to mess with some of y'all so bad. Y'all not going to like this text? I don't even like this text. It crescendos in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is one of those chapters people skip because they don't like it. Okay, y'all, some of y'all don't know yet. So, so here we go. I want you to read this from the perspective that I can do what I want and it doesn't hurt anybody but me. That's the mentality that is being perpetuated at first passion. All right? And Paul weighs in. Oh, we'll just wait. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Oh, y'all not going to lie. It's been widely reported that there is gross sexual immorality among you. The kind of immorality that's so revolting it's not even tolerated by the social norms of unbelievers. Are you proud of the fact that one of your men is having sex with his stepmother? Welcome to passion. All right? And that's not happening here, I don't think. 
but just welcome to a church that's willing to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're a little bit different here, all right? Uh, <laughs> are you proud of the fact that one of your men is having sex with his stepmother? Shouldn't this heartbreaking scandal bring you to your knees in tears? You must remove the offender from among you. Boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. Don't you understand that even a small compromise with sin permeates the entire fellowship just as a little leaven permeates a batch of dough. So this is a weird text, but you've got to understand what's going on. There is a gentleman in the church at First Passion that is having an inappropriate relationship with his stepmother and the church has taken the stance that what he does in the privacy of his own home has no bearing on the rest of the body. And Paul writes a letter and says, you have lost your ever-loving mind. He says, you are crazy if you think that is acceptable. If you think that one of your members can behave this way and it would have no bearing on you as a whole, you have lost your mind. This is not appropriate. Stop it. Okay, so Paul is literally saying this because he makes this declaration in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. He says this, he says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We are one. We literally make up the body together. No one is separate. So Paul's literally saying, you only love, you only love Jesus as much as you love the church. Because he is found in the body. Another way to say that is this. In the we is where we find the he. In the we. So what does this shift mean? What does that mean? Practically speaking, what does that mean in a body like passion? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, uh, make a couple of statements, just a couple of ideas of how we move from individualism to community. Some quick thoughts and then I'm going to camp out. Because I like to camp out. Alright, here we go. Some quick thoughts. Number one, if we make this shift, it means we complete, not compete. All you got to do is you got to go read this, this, this letter to First Passion. Like you get to First Passion chapter 12, verse 18 and 19. And it says, but God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required. For if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So what Paul is saying is that there's not one spiritual gift that's more important than the other. We don't compete, we complete. That's why for us to compete, like I can sing better than you, I can preach better than you, I can ush better than you, I can children's work better than you, I can park cars better than you, is ridiculous. Paul says, no, listen, we don't compete with one another, we complete one another. Second, if we make this shift, it means that we comfort and we confront. Now most of us, like the first C in that list, don't like the second C in that list. Comfort me when I'm going through a tough time, but don't you dare confront me. But Paul says that we do both. We rally in need and we refuse to ignore the immoral. In First Passion chapter 5, verse 12, he says this, What right do I have to pronounce judgment on unbelievers? That's God's responsibility. But those who are inside the church family are our responsibility to discern and judge. Y'all missed it. Don't judge me. I'm an individual. Don't judge me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. As a body, in the community of we, we have a responsibility to judge one another and confront one another. As we comfort them, we confront them. Okay, so number three, it means we carry and we are carried. When one hurts, we all feel it. When I hurt, I rally. 
or you rally. When you hurt, I rally. First Passion chapter 12, verse uh, 26. Whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. So there's this clear mentality that Paul is promoting that we are no longer by ourselves. We are in a community. In fact, I want to say this to you. We must embrace this shift. If we are going to grow, if we are going to do what God has called us to do, we must embrace this shift. Listen, some of you only see each other on Sunday mornings. doesn't matter. You're still connected. You're still, still part of the body. Okay, so I'm going to camp out. Now, now it's when it gets, when it gets hard. Here, here are the, implica- the biggest implications I want to point out. The others are true. The others are necessary. But this is for us. Are you ready? Touch your neighbor and say, are you ready? Come on, ask them. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. All right, here we go. Oh, the, ooh. See, this is not fair because I get to read ahead. Uh, yeah, ooh. This is different thinking. Come on, stay with, look at me. This is different thinking. Y'all want to be the same like all the other churches in town? Not, not that there's anything wrong with them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying God's called us to something different. Alright? So if, if we're going to be different, we got to be different. Okay, so, oh, yeah, I hear some of y'all agreeing with me. Alright, we'll see. Because here's, num- here's, here's the first shift I want you to understand. If we shift from... Me to we. We share morals. I got, see, I knew I'd lose my amens right there. Cause see, so, so, so here's what happens. Okay, this is so foreign to us. This is literally what has to take place if we're going to make this shift. We make a shift when we begin to practice convictions that aren't even our own. Simply because we're part of the body. The collective ethic rubs off. Ooh, okay, so, so our preferences, and listen, newsflash, we all have them. Our preferences are submitted to the greater body. Listen, you ought to hope that the collective ethic rubs off. Because for us to walk through life and think that only my ethics matter is the height of, of arrogance. We become our own God. We become our own standard. What we do is we submit ourselves to a body and say, you know what? I like to do certain things, but I don't even do them because I'm afraid if I do, it will impact the body. Okay, okay. So, so I'm going to keep going because some of y'all, re- I knew some of you'd get uncomfortable. We subject our views on what is right and wrong to our belief in us. We are loyal to us. Okay. Uh, so I, d- I don't do things I want to do because I know it would impact you. I do things I don't even want to do. Because I know it will help you when you need it. If you don't believe this is biblical, let me help you. First Passion, chapter 8, 9 through 13. Be careful, however, that, you, that, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an, in an idol's temple. Whoa, stop. We don't have temples for idols here. So let me say it like this. Let's, let's bring it practical and make you really uncomfortable. 
For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge visiting a bar, going to a rated R movie. Okay, we're getting ready to go into a series called Holy Mess, and I'm going to assure you that our holiness is not wrapped up in clotheslines and stuff like that. But let me help you that we don't use our, 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 our license, our, our liberty for license. Okay, I knew, I knew. Okay, so, so won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. First Passion chapter 10, verse 23 and 24 and verse 32 through 33. You say under grace there are no rules. And we're free to do anything we please. Hear it? Do you hear the pers- Paul's confronting the perspective that we have grace so we can do anything we want to do. And he says, not exactly because not everything promotes growth in others. Your slogan, we're allowed to do anything we choose may be true, but not everything causes the spiritual advancement of the others. So don't always seek what is best for you at the expense of others and make sure you're not offending Jews or Greeks or any part of God's assembly over your personal preferences. Follow my example, for I try to please everyone in all things rather than putting my liberty first. I sincerely attempt to do anything I can so that others may be saved. So let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. We reveal whether we've made this shift or not by our questions. If we ask questions like this, can I drink? Can I smoke weed? Can I go to bad movies? Can can I shack up? then we have revealed by the questions that we have not made this shift because those are the wrong questions. The right question is this. If I drink, if I smoke weed, if I go to bad movies, if I shack up, how will it impact the other believers that I worship with as a part of a body? How will it impact their witness? I knew, I knew we weren't going to like this because we just want to do our own thing. See, see, we've got to understand that we literally submit to what we, what we think is right and wrong to the body's collective wisdom. That way, we don't err in our own biblical interpretation because some of y'all got some jacked up views of Scripture. You'll take Scripture and verse and try to prove things that I would take the same verse and say it doesn't prove that. We have our own personal interpretation of Bible passages. So what we have to do is we have to submit what we think is right to the collective wisdom of the body and the, uh, the traditions of the body. There, hey, listen, some people preach against traditions. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years worth of traditions that are teaching us that certain things are right, th- certain things are wrong, for a reason. Okay, 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 okay. Too, too, too harsh. Too harsh. Can't handle it. Can't handle it. We stop. Here's, a, here's an idea. We stop and think about our connectedness before we think about our individual comfort. Because here's the other R. I reflect you. I reflect on you. I, I represent. Here's another way to say that. I represent you by how I live my life. Okay, so I'm going to make a deal with you. All this week on Facebook, I'm going to do nothing but post cuss words. I've decided. That's all I'm going to do this week. All week long, that's all I'm doing as your pastor. Is I, I'm, I'm even going to start it that way. Pastor of Passion Church. Beep! 
all week long. I'm going to post a bunch of stuff that's got cuss words in it. As if by me posting it, I'm not saying it. How do y'all think that's going to represent you? That is the implication we're talking about here. We're talking about the fact that what you do reflects on me and what I do reflects on you and what we do together re- re- represents Jesus to our community. I've got to move because you're, you're, you're uncomfortable. I just have to grow up to realize that like it or not, everything I say, everything I do, everything I post is a direct reflection on you and vice versa. So if I do something or post something that people, when I do that, if I do something or post something, people actually, I know this is jacked up, but this is true. They actually believe that if I post it and I do it, that you think it's okay too. And vice versa. Number two. Oh, by the way, why is this so important? Paul teaches us this. The community absorbs the consequences. The community does. That's why he says never Use your freedom to affect your brother. And then, let me, before I move on, First Passion chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body, living in perfect harmony. Listen to this. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves, having, listen, a common perspective. Listen, with shared values. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information Share about values. Passion Church, please visit us okay, online. I'm moving because some of y'all hate me right now. Number two, we are loyal even now when the body malfunctions. Already in progress. That's how we know we've graduated from we to we, is that when the body malfunctions, we're still loyal to it. So so it goes like this. Paul, Paul reminds us in First Passion chapter 13 that love is the foundation of the community. He uses the entire chapter talking about the power of love. We read it at weddings thinking it's about weddings. It's not about weddings. It's about church. It's about the body. Love is the foundation that we're built on so that this happens. That when my rights are violated, when my feelings are hurt, when my trust is broken, we are still bound by such a strong bond of love that we remain loyal to one another even when the body malfunctions. That is not North American church. Listen, we know believers haven't grown up when they run from tension rather than fighting for unity. We watch as people... I I had a conversation with a pastor friend this week about this message and we started laughing because it's a perfect track record, I believe. I, I think the... I wish he was here this morning because I'd call him out for the good, good stuff. The last person I remembered that responded correctly to confrontation was Aaron Palacios. And I don't need to tell you what we confronted. He will tell you. It's his testimony. But since then, we have a perfect track record. Everybody we've confronted has left. Bar none. Because in the North American church, we, don't, we run from tension and we run from brokenness and we fail to fight for unity. Our maturity is revealed not when the body is working perfectly. Our maturity is best and most vibrantly revealed when things are going wrong and we rally together and say, you know what, we are loyal to us even when we're not perfect. I got, here's a newsflash, take this down in your notes so you'll know when I said it. Passion is not perfect. 
Never will be. Never will be. But that does not give us the license to use the imperfections as jettison fuel to get away so that we don't have to walk through this. We reveal our maturity level by the times that we stick it out and go, you know what? We're in this together. We love one another. We're built on the foundation of love and we're connected beyond just attending to church, a church together. We're family. Our individualism teaches us to run. But it's when we recognize that we access the church through my church. Don't miss that. We access the church through my church. It is then that we realize that we will remain connected even when it's difficult. Because here's what happens if you don't do that. If you, if you want to be an individual and when you don't meet my needs and when you don't do things the way I think you should do them and when it's too hot and when it's too cold and when you paint the wrong wall color and you sing the wrong song and the preacher preaches too hard, he's not hard enough, then what we do is we run from body to body trying to gain access to something that we will never gain access to because we're not committed and not loyal to the us. I'm preaching this morning. I amen myself. And three, we, we are connected by what matters. We will know that we have shifted from me to we when we are connected by what matters. Okay, so let me tell you some things that are going to happen here. We've got to come to this place where what is different about us doesn't separate us. We are connected by what matters. So, do... Let me ask you, I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to interview myself. Pastor Steve, at Passion, do you want a church made up of Republicans or Democrats? Yes. Let me ask you another question since I'm interviewing this, this cool character. Do you want an old church or a young church? Yes. I heard a guy say this week that, that age is the new black. No joke. He said in the, in the church today, nobody wants the old folks. He said every church plant is all about young folks and jettisons the old folks. And I say, no way. It's got to be, be, be both. So, Pastor Steve, let's interview some more. Do you want an all-black church or an all-white church? No. Do you want a black church and a white church? Yes. Do you want a brown church? Yes. Do you want whatever? P- polka-dotted? Yes. Yes. Do you want a rich church? Do you want a poor church? Yes. Listen, we will have made the shift when we recognize that, that we, we have all these differences and we acknowledge them, but we set them aside to focus on what matters most. I'm going to hurry because so, so, so we can no longer push for sameness, but rather unity. We enjoy diversity and we embrace it, but we focus on unity. The beauty of the body that there's no other society and there's no other organization on the planet where we seek out people who are different than us so that we can be more than us. That's why we must not avoid our differences. Age, color, socioeconomic, we're all connected. Uh, And I'm not even, listen, please hear me. Please hear me. Your pastor's not here preaching tolerance I'm not because tolerance is nothing but a ceasefire 
I don't even want to go anywhere where they just tolerate me. I want to go somewhere where they celebrate me. So we come together and we say, you know what? You're different than I am. You're a different color than I am. You don't, you're, 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 your economic level is higher, higher or lower than mine. You're a different, different educational background. And I want to go, you know what? I see all that. I recognize all that. I can even celebrate some of that. But let me tell you what I can celebrate. Let's focus on what matters most. What matters most? Jesus, born, crucified, resurrected, so that we can have a relationship with the Father. Well, are you for Bloomberg or are you for Trump? I don't give a squat one way or the other. Match up to the biblical qualifications of that office and then leave each other alone and worship about what matters. Well, what does that mean? Then quit posting junk on your Facebook. Quit. Stop. Why? Because it re- rep- represents the body and then they think you all, okay, you're getting it, you're getting it, so let me hurry. 1 Corinthians chapter 30, oh, my, my bad. First Passion chapter 1, verse 30 through 31. Paul tells us right off the jump what matters. He says this, For it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now He is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. And this fulfills what is written. If anyone boasts, let him boast that he's a liberated Democrat. It says it right there in black and white. No, it doesn't. Let him boast that he's a Republican and has always been... No! Let him boast that he's black. Black pride, black power. No. Let him boast that he's white. Did you have any choice in the matter? No, does not matter. Let him boast that you've got six figures in your saving account. No, because you're not the source. He's the source. Let him boast because he's on food stamps. No, you've got nothing to do with that. Let him boast in all that the Lord has done. So here is what matters. Are you saved by Jesus? Then we can be family. Have you knelt down on your knee and said he's my Lord he's my friend he's my Savior then we can worship together have you acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and the only way the door the gate he's the good shepherd he's the bread of life he's the only way to get to God if I can say that then we can be family and we're connected three practical steps and then I'm going to pray Practical step number one. I'm going to say it again just so you'll remember. Go home and read First Passion slowly. And look for the constant instructions that Paul gives on how to think like we instead of me. This will take you month, at least a month, of reading it and rereading it. Listen, please do this. I read the whole thing this, this week alone. Again, because it so shatters our concept of individualism. Read it again. Read it slow. And read it like this. How am I supposed to think? Imagine that. Let Scripture impact how we... Okay. Two. Please. I want you to do it for one week and then hopefully it'll carry on longer than that. Are you ready? Practice a holy pause. Because some of y'all don't even think before you hit enter. Practice a holy pause before you post, before you speak, before you do. Pause. Put it all in. Go search all the stuff you search to make all the stuff you post. Put it all in and before you hit enter. Before you tell the joke at work. Before you talk about what you were going to talk about. Before you act like you were going to act. Just pause. And ask yourself this question. How will that 
reflect on my family at passion. Okay, let's get real. How would, how would people react if Steve posted that? Well, don't hold me as the standard. How would people react if Tari posted that? How would people react if Garrett, almost, I was like, I went brain dead for a second, posted it. How would people react? How would people react if, if Jess decided she was just going to have a, I just don't feel like representing Jesus very well. I'm just going to post some junk this week. Stop. How would people act if, pause. Just pause. And third, I want you to intentionally lean into a relationship with, with someone that is different than you. Why do we clump up with people just like us? This week, would you please, inside the body first, and then I'll release you to do it outside the body, but some of y'all haven't done it here, so you can't, you can't do it out there. Why don't you find somebody this week in our body that's different than you and lean into that relationship and celebrate what's different about them? Well, they believe different than me, but do they believe Jesus is Lord? They look different than me, but do they believe Jesus is Lord? They live on a separate part of town than me, but do they believe that Jesus is Lord? Lean in. And together, we'll discover what we have in common and we'll graduate. And when 2020 ends, we'll find a group of people that are so connected that we will live up to what church is supposed to be about. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you do It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.